Hi, this is Charlotte from Delane. This is John Yelland of Judicator. This is Nora from Battle Beast. Hey guys, this is Thomas from Camelot. This is Ida from Trifair, and you are listening to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome back, Headbangers. The podcast returns with another amazing metal artist interview. Today I'm joined by Krista and Alice Dare from Connecticut's Symphonic Metalers Dialect. Thank you both so much for coming on The Great Metal Debate. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks thank for having us. Thank you for having us. So let's get right to it. On August 16th, you all released what is, in my opinion, an incredible album entitled Extinction 6. This one is definitely on my short list for Metal Album of the Year. First, how proud are you of this album, and what has been the response to it so far? Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, we spent a long time making that, yeah. several years, and we're, the whole band's extremely happy with how it came out. I think we, we all got what we wanted, mm-hmm. and it looks like the people agree. We've gotten amazing, really good reviews. Um, we now have fans all over the world, which we weren't expecting to happen so quickly, mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we're, we're really encouraged to make even more music in the future. How challenging is that when you're crafting different songs, maybe at different times, months, or, or longer apart, what's the challenge in making it sound like it wasn't just a kind of a hodgepodge album? We, um, we did keep that in mind when we chose the track order. Like, for me personally, I took inspiration from how other symphonic metal bands did it, like, like um, you know, Nightwish, and the way they order their songs, how you fit between the heavy songs and the ballads to make, like, a balanced album that flows one after the other. So that helped a lot, even though the songs were written years apart. Um, I think it's also, I mean, all the, the music was written by Alistair, so um, he's got a very specific way of writing that I think shows through. Yeah, I think um, I definitely like. I feel now this album's done. I feel like I now know what my style and what my sound is. So I think that that also helps with the uh, consistency. A little bit of a journey of discovery. Yeah, definitely. You've got eleven amazing tracks there. Now three of them are holdovers from your 2017 EP through Stone. Other bands that we talked to have kind of done the same thing. I'm thinking specifically of our friends in Grave Shadow and Seven Spires, taking the songs from those EPs and made them an integral part of the debut album. What was your thought process behind including those previously released songs with an updated sound? Yes, yeah, so when we, um, at the very, very beginning, I wanted to do a full-length album from the get-go. Um, but things were kind of slow going. And we figured doing a three-song EP would be more, just a better idea overall. Um, but we liked those songs so much, we wanted to, and plus we we brought, we brought on two new members since that EP, so we wanted to re-record it and make them even better than before. Um, we just thought they'd, they'd make a great addition uh, to the full-length album. Now, the title track, it's a 17-and-a-half-minute epic, uh, I understand that that song in particular was a long time in development. 
Oh, you bet. <laughs> um, it took me about nine months to write on and off. Um, for a good chunk of that, I was writing it in secret. I wanted to write in secret and then present it to the band and be like, oh, by the way, guys, here's a 17-minute song that you all have to learn now. <laughs> but uh, no, I eventually uh, broke the silence. Um, yeah, that's that's that was very challenging, but I, I kind of wanted to prove myself that I could do it to make this like a proper symphonic metal album. Yeah, you got to have that long epic song. It is almost uh, almost required. I'm, I'm assuming that it was somewhat inspired by that Elizabeth Colbert book, The Sixth Extinction. Yes, that's how. That's yeah, that's basically the story I wanted to tell. I haven't read that book specifically. It's just um. You know, something I've heard about and I was inspired by like real life, like um, the destruction that's happening to the environment and what, you know, destruction or what people are doing to each other. And um, and that's maybe in a few hundred years, we won't be around anymore. And, you know, the planet will uh, overgrow us. So that was kind of the big inspiration. And then I heard the phrase, the sixth extinction somewhere i think it was a youtube video i'm like that's that's it that's the name <laughs> we eventually changed it to extinction six it's a bit easier to say uh, rolls off the tongue better and so is that a situation where you had an idea for the concept and music and then handed it off to krista to craft lyrics or how, how does that writing process work between the two of you yeah that was exactly yeah, it. that's pretty much what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I usually come up with the music and the vocal melodies I pass it along to Krista, and almost every song, free reign. You know, sing about whatever you want. <laughs> With Sound of Your Voice and Extinction 6, that was a little different. Extinction 6, I had a story in mind, um, but I had no part of the lyrics. Like, Krista nailed it <laughs> with the telling the story. So, I, yeah, that came out great. Talking about more songs on the album, I think Catalyst may be one of my favorites. You know, it's a real headbanger, an amazingly catchy chorus. Tell us a little bit maybe about... Chris, if you would, kind of the lyrical concept behind that one. The lyrical concept behind Catalysts. So, mostly uh, the lyrics that I write, um, they come from they come from a personal spot, and then I try to extrapolate on that and make it more vague to um, kind of appeal to more people, and people can interpret that in the way that they want. So Catalyst, at, at its core, it's about like conflict, conflict of interest, and uh, how you deal with that, and um, just the emotions that come with it. Well, we can definitely hear the emotion in your voice on that one, and many others. You all have a couple of videos for this album: a performance vid for the sound of your voice, and then a lyric video for Libra. Obviously, that involves a lot of investment of time and money, and you guys are an independent band. How critical is that as a vehicle to promoting your album and work? Yeah, we've always felt um, YouTube is the way to go Yeah. nowadays. Like, if you can go viral on YouTube, that's a huge boost, more than, like, playing local shows. Ever will be, yeah. You know, like, YouTube is a worldwide audience, and... Um, and we also ran YouTube ads to actually show that video. Massively to, helpful. Yeah, to, to whatever countries we choose and whatever age demographic. Um, 
So it's it's well worth it. Yeah, the biggest thing about music, I think today is just getting is just getting out there, cutting through the the noise of the thousands of other bands that are out there, and getting people to listen to it. And I think, especially the way in you, that YouTube is also a visual a, a visual platform, um, I think having a video a music video along with the the music itself uh really helps people to hear it to want to hear more um in that regard so i'm curious you you talk about trying to maybe target the audience with these videos and sadly in my opinion the u.s isn't exactly the hotbed of symphonic metal what was your idea about reaching out to different fans and were there specific countries or fan bases that you were targeting in the marketing of these videos europe yeah europe, europe was a big one. <laughs> latin america yeah actually <laughs> the biggest chunk of people that have viewed the music video was actually mexico like the top five countries i think are all yeah like mexico latin america south america so and uh decent decent following in japan as well oh yeah yeah which is is awesome (laughs) and they would have never these people would have never found us otherwise i do think there are small pockets in the u.s where i mean we've gotten plenty of orders in the u.s um Mm -hmm. so and there's definitely a market for it it's just that it's not much played on the radio so somebody who is interested in that kind of music has to go kind of seek it out the orchestrations on this album, I'm 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 really really impressed by. Alistair, you composed those, is that correct? Yes, that's right. And what was that process like as a I'm assuming first time composer? How did you attack that problem of creating those? Okay, so two ways that really helps me. Um, I wrote the original intro to the album like back in 2012. I, de- I definitely revised it and <laughs> made it much better. But there's this one, um, it all started with this one, like, three-note motif. Um, I can't really sing, but it, you can hear it with the strings going like, da, 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 da. It kind of started with that, and it all built from there. And that's how I got started composing, like, ooh, that. And I didn't have, like, my fancy software at the time. It was all, like, done in GarageBand on my old MacBook at the time. Um but I was just experimenting with software instruments. I thought, ooh, this sounds interesting. Let's see where this takes me. Uh, later on, um, I eventually invested in some really great uh, uh, sample software. So all the, all, all, even though all the orchestrations are fake, they're sampled from actual orchestras and choirs. So they sound awesome. And just having that great sound at my fingertips um, inspires me to create more. Yeah, and I can definitely tell your your skill level has increased. On September 7th, you guys had an album release show. Did you all perform the album in its entirety at that time? Mm, almost. Almost, yeah. <laughs> we basically played everything except the River ballads. And the Wraith. Yeah. Had you played those tracks live before, or were, they, were there some that were debuts for the first time that evening? Um, we debuted, I mean... That was our first time playing Extinction Six for yes. an audience, which was which was like you know the the crowning piece at the end of the show. We also um, debuted a new song. Um, yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the ballads we practiced River Runs Dry at rehearsal like last year, but we never actually played it live. Um, now the Wraith, I actually had no part 
I have nothing. I really actually had nothing to do with that song in the recording. Uh, our keyboardist Charlie, who who has actually left now, he wrote the song and he performed all the guitars on it. You mentioned and, your keyboardist leaving. Are you now just using backing tracks, and do you have? Are you working with the click tracks in your ear? Is that what you're doing live going forward? Yes, exactly. Um, yes, yeah, so we have a click track running in uh, Colin, our drummer's ear, and we have a whole system set up. Um, and we took all of Charlie's recordings and just applied those to the backing tracks. You mentioned that you played a new song, and I'm assuming since the intro to the whole album was composed essentially back in 2012, there may be some other songs laying around. How many other songs are there, and uh, what was the population of tracks and ideas that this album came out of? Oh, boy. There's only one that got thrown to the wayside in the course of this, right? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, when Chris and I like first started... I wrote this one song called The Bell Dame. Um, I think it's the, one of the worst songs I've ever written. <laughs> we did play it live a couple times, but that's just, ooh, that's going in the, the vault. And, <laughs> never, you know, can never you know, sing the light of day. Will never be heard again, yeah. <laughs> um, but apart from that, all the songs that I wanted to put on the album are in there. So everything, yeah, everything I'm working on now is totally brand new. You mentioned earlier Nightwish. Can you talk a little more about your influences and how, I mean, this is just my bias, that you guys as a band from the U.S. Northeast sound much like you came from the Netherlands? Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's very much a compliment. Yeah, Chris and I pretty much got started. Um, Craigslist ad. Yeah, the Craigslist ad. You saw. So yeah, so um, I posted a Craigslist ad um, because that's how you meet the best people, and um, so I was like, I really want to start um, a symphonic metal band, um, and I was like, these are the bands I like. It was like Nightwish and Camelot and Delane, um, Within Temptation, and. To my surprise, uh, less than 24 hours later, Alistair had answered the ad, and turns out he lived uh, pretty close to me, right in the next town. And so I like all those yeah. bands. We should start a band. <laughs> <laughs> That's so that, awesome. That yeah. So our influences are like, for me and Chris, at least, our influences are very like very, identical. Very um colin our drummer he's really into like death metal black metal he loves like the drumming <laughs> the drumming aspects of it um and for mark he listens to a lot of like 80s synth but he also likes uh, like classic power metal as well yeah he's a big sonata fan oh yeah <laughs> yeah they're touring right now so hopefully we'll yeah. get, you'll be able just to saw catch them on saturday when they opened for camelot oh my <laughs> goodness yeah camelot talk about a a great symphonic metal band there yeah. oh yeah Every time I love, they're one of my favorite bands to see live. Mm -hmm. Really, really cool. Yeah, they are awesome. Krista, if you don't mind, could you talk a little bit about your vocal influences? And, and if you would also, have you had any formal training? So I have had a little bit of formal training. I've been singing prior since I was like 12. Um, and then when Dialus started, I took, I've been taking like on and off vocal lessons. I want to get back into it. Um, it's just, you know, time and money at this point. But um, so I've had, I don't, I've never had like a, a course of study. I've just practiced with vocal coaches. Um, 
And as far as vocal influences, uh, so my main influences are pretty much Sharon Denadal and Tarja Turunen. Um, and so I kind of grew up singing along to Nightwish and Within Temptation. That's how I just figured out singing in the style, singing this style. And what about you, Alastair? Did you grow up in a musical household? Uh, not at all. My parents have no artistic skills that we know of. <laughs> but me and my two brothers, we all have artistic pursuits. So, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Um, I, I'm the oldest. Um, and I did uh, take violin, saxophone during grade school, but I never stuck with them. Um, I didn't start playing guitar until I was uh, 18, 19. I was in college. And I'm just uh, I'm self-taught. I wish I'd started sooner, but I knew because I was starting late, I knew I had to work twice as hard to get myself to the level I needed to be. So I went insane with it, practicing hours and hours every day. Um, it also helped that I was in college in the middle of nowhere in upstate <laughs> New York. And there was nothing to do. so No distractions. Yeah, so a lot of time to play guitar. Um, <laughs> so that also helped a lot. Based on this album, you your practice yielded some positive results. Now, I think you all are the first band from Connecticut we've interviewed on the podcast. What's the metal scene like in your area as far as fan interest, as well as the venues that are open to allowing metal acts to perform? Um, so I actually do love the Connecticut metal scene. Um, I love like I've made a lot of friends through this, so. Um, but I will say we're probably one of the very few symphonic bands. Um, it's mostly a lot of death metal, um, metalcore. Yeah, hardcore punk, a lot yeah. of that. Um, as far as venues, there's two venues that we've played a lot, one in Wallingford, Connecticut, and one in Naugatuck. Um, and they're fun They're fun venues to yeah. play. And they have metal bands all the time. Yeah. They have shows like, pretty much every weekend. Um you know, it's a, it's a fun scene. It's small, but it's, you know, dedicated. Everyone's very close-knit. I mean, yes. if you're in the Connecticut metal scene, and like, you probably know. You know everyone yeah, else. Yeah, you know everyone else. <laughs> it strikes me, the U.S., even though maybe we're a little bit behind Europe, we still do have some decent festivals, some good death metal fests. There's a few folk metal fests. Do you think that the U.S. will ever be big enough to host a proper symphonic metal festival? At the rate things are going, I'm going to guess no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of symphonic... I honestly don't know if there would be a, a an interest in a symphonic festival, even even abroad. Um, just because I feel like symphonic metal is done best when it's mixed with other genres. <laughs> so, like, I think uh, there's one power metal festival in... I think it's in Atlanta? Prague Power? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I think that would be something to put effort in uh, and have symphonic acts that are also more power metal. Because I just don't know if uh, symphonic metal can draw interest on its own. Be interesting to see if it ever would. So Yeah. Well, again, I'm so impressed by this album, and I know that others who have heard it are like me, wanting to know about the possibility of seeing you all perform some of these tracks live. What are the plans, if any, for live performances throughout the end of 2019 and into the following year? 
So for 2019, at least, uh, probably nothing, to be honest. <laughs> we, um, like we mentioned before, uh, doing like the YouTube video and the online promotion was a huge help for us. And that's, that's really where our strategy is going to take us from now on. Want to write, write a lot of new music, create a lot more videos, and just see where that takes us. Now, if a tour opportunity comes along, uh, that's one thing. But any specific plans, not really at this time. Well, finally, guys, what is the best way for fans to purchase music and merchandise from Dialith, including the debut album, Extinction 6? Everything is available on our Bandcamp. That's dialith.bandcamp.com. We've got CDs and T-shirts available. And you can purchase digitally there as well. That's our center for everything. Fans of power metal, melodic metal, symphonic metal, you will love this album again. Spoiler alert, this one's going to be on my list of best metal albums of the year. An amazing album, an amazing band. Check them out. Dial it. Krista, Alistair, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very so much. much.